Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Leminski, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. So, Mara, November is right around the corner, and in our new issue, we have the scoop of what's ahead on every show. So now we have a lot of spoilers in the magazine, but here are some highlights. On Bold and Beautiful, expect to see a wedding at some point in the Brooke Ridge-Taylor Triangle. Liam and Hope's marriage will be put to the test, and Sheila will once again become a challenge for Steffi and Finn. On Days of Our Lives, Ava and EJ engage in a ruthless battle that will have deadly consequences. Chanel's secret will be exposed in a big way, and Steve and Kayla will go on a mission together. On General Hospital, Valentine will find an unlikely ally to help him and Anna in her time of need. Laura returns and forges an uneasy alliance to protect her family. And Liz will come face to face with her parents who will have information that will rock her world and her future with Finn. And finally on Young and the Restless, Victor will investigate Tucker. Billy will be there for Chelsea in her time of need. And Daniel will return home in time for the holidays, much to Phyllis's delight. And to mine as well. I'm excited that Michael Garazade's return is right around the corner. And something else we have to look forward to is Tracy E. Bregman crossing over from YNR to B&B for the first time in a while as Lauren. Uh, we will see her in scenes with John McCook's Eric this coming week. B&B also announced that the character of Stephen Logan is returning to the show once again in the form of Patrick Duffy. And this time around, Stephen will arrive in Los Angeles with a beautiful female companion on his arms who will be played by Duffy's real-life girlfriend, Linda Pearl, who's fresh off of her stint on General Hospital as Peyton Honeycutt, who was a big part of the uh, Jacksonville story opposite Laura Wright as Carly. So the two of them, meaning Patrick and Linda, seem like such a sweet couple, and I am really looking forward to seeing them together on screen for sure. I am too. I love this casting so much. And, you know, I'm a sucker for a real life couple. Absolutely. Um, Now, Bold and Beautiful is also doing a special episode for Halloween featuring Sheila and looking back on her 30 years since first playing the character. Our West Coast colleague, Devin Owens, attended a gathering on set the other day, the first one they've had since the pandemic, where the episode was shown and there was a tribute to Kimberlyn Brown, her portrayer. Suffice it to say, it will be a fun tune-in. Also in the new issue, we have a feature with Daisy's Eric Martsoff and Nadia Bjorlin talking about Brady and Chloe and besides just how sweet Eric is about her which just touched my heart the two talk about how their characters don't have a home to live in and you know it's a really good point I mean I've had numerous conversations with Eric over the years about how Brady presumably makes some big bucks has some big bucks I mean he had to have gotten some kind of inheritance from Isabella no Uh, but he's never had his own home You know, it's definitely something unique to soaps, I would say, as well as characters living in hotels for long stints. Yeah, I get it. It's a budget thing, but it is such a point of contention with me anyway when characters don't have homes. I could be romanticizing this, but I feel like every single character on every single show had a home that we saw when I was first watching soaps. Like you name the character, I can picture where they live. Ditto. And frequently, and when done right, I feel like it told me so much about them and was more than just a setting for a scene. It was like part of their identity and part of how I understood them. Uh, I think about like the pathetic, worn down motel room that Todd Manning lived in on One Life to Live when he got out of prison and how when you contrasted that with the old money luxury of the house Vicky lived in, it really helped tell that story of what a big deal it was that Todd was her secret half-brother and entitled to millions of dollars from their late father. You know, I may be getting too deep about it, but it just makes me nuts when we have no idea where a character lives. You can put uh, GH's Austin and Terry and Christina on that list, among others, Or they live in a hotel, like you said, like Brit, 
who's the co-chief of staff of the hospital. So that makes no sense. And then you've got Maxie living in the same apartment she lived in before she had three children. Uh, <laughs> I digress. No, I could not agree with you more. That is the kind of conversation that fills our picky picky section. <laughs> well, our guest today is back in daytime after a decade plus break. It's James Hyde, who we last saw on Passions as Sam, but is now on the number one soap, Young and the Restless, in a new role. So let's get him on the line and see how it's all going. Hi, James. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing amazing. Uh, thank you very much for having me today. Well, we are so excited to talk to you. We're so happy you're back on daytime, never mind on the number one show, but we are going to go back first to your childhood. Uh, you were born in Lancaster, Ohio, which is not a hotbed of activity in the entertainment industry. So tell <laughs> us what your yeah. childhood was like there. Well, you know, uh, there was uh, five of us. There was uh, three boys and two girls. My dad was a worked at Anchor Hawking Glass. He was a uh, a foreman in the in the furnace room for like forty two years. My mom was a musician, uh, a country music singer um, for years, and um, so my life was basically like blue collar kind of guy. But then you got my mom was a musician. We had musicians around the house uh, because our basement turned into their a rehearsal studio. Um, so uh, it was it was kind of that kind of life. And I, and I think that me um, being the youngest, I'd always want to travel and see my mom perform. And um, uh, so that kind of gave me the the I don't know if it was the desire, but I certainly saw it. I saw my mom performing. And um, so I thought that was that was amazing. My mom was amazing. She was incredible. So. I think that kind of gave me the bug and nobody else in my family, my two brothers, my two sisters had any desire to jump off and do this crazy uh, uh, business that I'm in. And my dad always used to tell me, uh, hey, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> uh, because, you know, I started off um, after I graduated, I, I uh, uh, joined the military. Uh, and so I, I uh, went to and I was stationed in Hawaii. Uh, worked in the hospital, Triple Army Medical Center. And um, so I grew up quick. And um, but uh, yeah, and, and that was kind of what got me out there, I think, because I, there was a I, I used to I still I, I, even today, I'll try I, I'm 60. I'll try to get out and play some basketball with my son, who's 18, Moses. I, I clearly can't do what I did before, but I still have fun. But uh, um but yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to play basketball. So I ended up playing basketball for the army team over in Hawaii uh, while I was working in the hospital. So, and that's what kind of got me out of small town Lancaster and gave me, opened my eyes up. And then once I got out of the military, I was, I was in for like three, I, I joined when I was 17. I got out, I think when I was like 21, I was, uh, I, my, my uh, thirst for, whatever was next was, 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 uh, was amazing. Uh, and I, I met a photographer, uh, in Hawaii in 1982 or three. And, uh, and that's when modeling was, was completely different than what it is today, you know, because, you know, since cell phones and social media, you know, everybody can just take snaps themselves and they can do advertisements and whatever, but, Back then, it was completely different. Male modeling back then in 83 was, you know, it wasn't, you know, as prevalent as it is now. I mean, you know, it was like, first of all, when he came up to me, I thought something was fishy. You know, ah, you want to take pictures of me? And, and well, okay, what's going on here? You know, and uh, so I went to his house and we shot some pictures. And uh, I got to be honest with you, those, those are still today are probably some of the best pictures I've ever taken. Wow. And um, and that kind of set me off. Uh, and then I started doing some stuff in Hawaii. And then uh, there was a modeling agency called Chadwick's, Peter Chadwick. I literally bumped into him on the way out of the door. I went to drop off, We, you know, of course, model books. Back then, we would carry them to auditions and stuff like that. And that's what you'd show the clients. Um, I, I went there early and I only had like eight black and white pictures in my book. And I went in there and that's when male models were still doing the cover of GQ. 
and I was looking at some some of the pictures of Bruce Hulse and all these guys. I'm like, they're 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 never gonna want me, you know. I'm I'm you know. So when I walked out, I literally bumped into him and we had a chat. Amazing person, Peter Chadwick. Um, and then that's what started my my journeys. Is uh, they offered me to come over to Australia. I went over to Sydney. I was there for six months, and then I went to Melbourne uh, for six months, and then. Uh, then I took off and went to London uh, in 85 and I was, I based myself there until like 89. Um, and uh, so I, I was traveling all over Europe doing the shows, men's shows and doing, I worked for Versace for like three years. And then uh, I started, uh, you know, I, I got the bug to want to do some music. So I collaborated with a song with, uh, with a band called Dead or Alive, who I did two concert tours with. And uh, 87 and 89. And then I started to embark on my own musical journey, kind of following the footsteps of my mom, I guess. And uh, got a demo deal with Electra Records uh, with Michael Alago, who's famous for uh, uh, um, um, and, uh, not inventing, but uh, they, they, he, he was kind of responsible for Metallica uh, at Electra Records. Uh, so got a demo deal, performed all over the place, uh, Greece, uh, Italy, I did all the Versace parties, um, Detroit, Miami. Um, so I, you know, performed all over. And then uh, slowly, when we when I went back to Miami in, nine, in 89, uh, I, I, I said, I'm here, but I, I don't, I wanna get away from just doing modeling. I want to, I want to act. I want to start. I want to, I want to discover this. I want to really Michael Shirtliff, who wrote a book, uh, auditioning, very famous book. Uh, I did a class with him. It was like 16 weeks. Uh, funny enough, Galen Gehring and myself did the same class, uh, back then. And, uh, so then I started, you know, after I did the class, I had the, I had the bug like really, really extremely. So I did the Galen was going to the U at that time and he had to do a project and him and I worked together. We collaborate, collaborated together on this piece. So we had already worked together uh, way before, uh, you know, we got passions and uh, I knew him way back uh, in Miami day. We used to play two man volleyball together. Um, he's a very, very, he was so good at volleyball. He's extremely good. He was not good at anything else. sports wise. <laughs> Because when we played softball, we would always stick him in right field, man. We're like, <laughs> get him as far away from everything. But but volleyball, he 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 is or was and still is plays extremely talented. I want to delve a little deeper into the modeling years because yeah. it it was um like you were like you were it like you worked for such big names and yeah. uh, well I was perusing your Instagram and I saw a picture of you from your modeling days that also featured Josh Holloway from Lost yep. uh, was he someone you interacted with much oh. in your modeling days oh my god uh, I, I have a, a great story uh, so Josh was one of those guys that uh, there, there are some people you meet in the modeling world and you could care less if you ever see him again. And there's some people that just has got that. He's got that. He was just this Southern, uh, very mellow, great guy. And, uh, and, and then we had a, an opportunity to work together uh, doing the Versace uh, campaigns that were in Miami. And I think we shot also one in Milan. Um, but, uh, and then I, <laughs> Great story. I was, uh, I, my wife did a CSI in Las Vegas. And so I went there with my wife, Suling, and uh, Josh was there and he, he had a role in, in uh, and he was telling me at that time, he, he goes, uh, you know, I, I'm so tired of doing, you know, B movies and things or whatever. I'm just getting burnt. And then literally, I think it was maybe a month after that, uh, I think he got lost. Uh, not lost, but he got the show lost. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a double meaning. Get lost, yeah. Yeah. And man, there's nobody. And if you, if you talk to anybody in the industry, whether it be acting or modeling, there's nobody who we wanted to. It's the good guys that you want to see do well. And he is a good guy. Trust me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, what are your memories of Johnny Versace and did oh, you man. Donatella as well? Well, so 
<laughs> my journey with Versace is uh, I, I was in Japan and my wife and I went out. I think we went out one night and uh, we met Paul first. Paul Paul Beck was married to Donatella. They're not married anymore, but uh, it was an American guy that was modeling back in the seventies. Uh, um, go go that he was probably one of the the first ones that were that were out there. Anyway, so we met, and the way that they used to work was it was all based on get rid of the agent. Let's talk, you know. So we were out that night, and he goes, "Hey, uh, uh, I'm going to say, where are you? Where are you guys living?" And we gave him the address. And he says, uh, I'm going to have a car pick you up tomorrow. We're going to shoot some pictures. And that's kind of the way that we started. So I shot some amazing pictures in Japan. Um, and then uh, I went back to Miami. And that's they, they love to stay at the, uh, um, the, the, the hotel. I'll think of it in a second. Uh, but that, they, they love the, the, to stay there with the family and everything. And I went over there. And Rick Arango and uh, was was one of my good friends. We all went over to see her, and Rick was like, "Yeah, I got all my details. I'm leaving to Milan to do the shows." And she didn't say anything to me, so we felt like, "Well, I didn't. I'm not going this time. Maybe it's it's another time." So I get a call from Paul, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, uh, we want to bring you over for the shows, uh, but the way we do it is." You can come over. We're gonna bring. We're gonna fly you over first class, put you up, whatever. But you can only do Ver, uh, Versace, Estante, uh, and Versus. Those were the three lines that they had at the time. You can't do any other shows. And I, I said, well, you know, if you pay me enough, I I won't. You know, uh, so we we kind of worked that way for three years, and um, so we got to know. Donatella and Paul. Uh, every time we go to Milan, we would go over to their to their house and spend time together. We went to San Moritz together. We went to the Bahamas together. Uh, we I'm part of a uh, Versace documentary, uh, the genius of Gianni Versace. I, as a matter of fact, I just got the the latest cut of it, um, and that's just being uh, we're you know we're we're, we're just giving praise to somebody who who we felt not not only was he the nicest person in the world it's just creative and and as you can see he created this world of versace and uh um it, and it to me i felt like and i give this as an example like if i feel that i'm going to work in daytime television i want to work for the best and i feel that i've i'm working with the best in the world of fashion i felt that Giorgio Armani, uh, Moschino, and all those were were good, but I always felt Versace was always at the top, and it was such a blessing to work with him. Yeah, and Donatella was amazing. Her and Su Ling became friends, and we traveled together, and we went to, I mean, uh, Stephanie Seymour was dating uh, Axl Rose, so at Guns N' Roses, at their height of their fame, we would go to Italy and backstage and see Guns N' Roses and and. Uh, uh, NXS uh, was always around uh, Michael Hutchins, of course, because he was dating Helena Christensen. And so we were all it, 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 the, the only thing I can tell you is during the, the period of the 80s, it was it was Versace rock and roll. It, it, you know, that's the way that 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 we kind of described it. And that was our world. We were hanging out with, you know, musicians and 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 uh, um, and, you know, uh, uh, we went to uh, uh, Sting's uh, uh, The Forest thing that he had put together. We, we flew to London for that big opening uh, of a store in London. It was, it was, you know, it was, it was amazing. So my run with Versace was, was uh, it, it was first class and uh, I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. Well, just to throw a few more supermodel names into the mix, I came across this incredible uh, set of campaign images that you had done that had a sort of 70s roller disco vibe. Uh -huh. You were on roller skates. Yeah. And so were Kate Moss and Christy Turlington. Yes. So what were they like to work with? And when was the last time you were on roller skates, James Hyde? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well I, I swapped out the roller skates for roller blades <laughs> uh, because that's in South Beach when we first got there. That's what everybody Everybody was on rollerblades. Everybody, even in New York, when I lived in New York, I was, you know, rollerblade around, whatever. Um, so this is a true story. So the first time that Kate Moss worked with us, we got we met uh, at the at the hotel, the big uh, 
you know, Winnebago there, uh, massive. And so we're there, we're all just kind of mingling and get, and some girl had her head down and she looked super young. And I said, well, who brought their sister? Uh, you know, and they said, no, that's Kate Moss. And that's Kate Moss was not really Kate Moss at that time. I mean, she grew into Kate Moss and became this, you know, iconic model. Um, but you know, super nice, um, photographs, of course, I mean, incredibly, I mean, you know, it's so funny because sometimes you could look at somebody and then the, the way they photograph it's, it, it, it's, it's mind blowing, you know? Um, now Christy is probably the nicest, most amazing person, uh, that I've ever worked with. I mean, she's just so giving and, uh, a little different than everybody else. I mean, she, you know, of course, everybody loved the party back in the 80s. And Christy was different. She didn't really, that wasn't her thing, man. And, uh, and um, but, you know, but yeah, so it, it was fun. To, I mean, I, I, I had a couple of times where I shot just Christy and I together and we had a chance to talk and, and whatever. Just super, super amazing. Uh, yeah, I was blessed to work with some some of the best really neat yeah i mean there's nothing bigger than what you're describing yeah. if you're talking about the 80s in excess you know guns and roses and yeah that's awesome yeah um well your first brush with daytime occurred in 1996 when you entered an open casting call competition for a part on sunset beach so tell us that story so in miami there was a there was this everyone heard about it that was happening right so um the the I so you know still modeling there was a, there was an agent Irene Marie had an agency there and um, I forget his name that was covering people who wanted to do more than modeling oh God I forget it he's gonna he, he's passed away since then but uh, I called him up and I said hey there's a uh, there's something going on NBC still in this open call and he goes yeah I think they're they're looking for really young kids right so I said okay I said so here's the deal I'm going whether you send me or not. So you could either send me with your name attached to it or, or not. I said, I'm going though. I, I don't, you know, so he goes, Oh no, no, hold on, hold on. So he calls me back and he, and he, you know, of course I, I, I get in and I read. Um, and then they, they, I, I, I used to go to this uh, casting place for commercials and, and they said, Hey, you got a call back for your, I think uh, I was I, I was on a uh, there was a commercial for a basketball team. So I brought in my I'm a huge basketball fan and I brought in my real basketball team, right? And they come in, they bust in the door and they're like, "Hey, you you won this, you won." And I was like, at first of all, I thought they were joking. I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, f off, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, and they go, "No, no, you you won." So it sit there, I had to sit there for a second. I'm like, "Wow, okay, uh, what does that mean?" You know. <laughs> So it was like, yeah, we're going to fly you out to LA. You're going to do a screen test for this new show. And, um, uh, and I went out with, I think, seven other people from like Chicago and, and maybe New York or whatever. R really good experience. And then I, I got cast to do their promos. So I'm, I'm walking, you know, he did all the beach stuff, you know. And my mom was like, call, she says, congratulations. I go, mom, no, I, I didn't get the show. She goes, well, I'm really confused now. And I, so you're doing the promos, but you didn't get the show. I said, no. And um, uh, so, yeah, that's, that, that's how that came about. And then um, it wasn't too much too, too long after that, where uh, they called for a screen test for another world. Uh, and that was, you know, I think that of course we all know that sometimes you don't get the role, but when, uh, hello, perfect example of, uh, I'm living that right now, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, so, you know, something you do with NBC and they kind of remember you and then they bring you in for something else. So then uh, I got a contract role for Another World. So uh, you were on Another World in 1997. You played the role of Neil. What Neil do you remember? Johansson. Neil Johansson. Um, I, I think we need to track this because I feel like your your names on these shows have gotten progressively soapier. Um, <laughs> so what what yeah. stands out to you when you think about uh, your time on Another World? Well, if I can be completely honest, I feel that I wasn't uh, I wasn't ready, and 
because I had a great opportunity there to really take that role. I, I uh, uh, it was internal fair, internal affairs, a cop, internal affairs cop. And, um, of course the storyline was there. Um, and, uh, you know, I just didn't, I don't know if it was me moving to New York or everybody was great. All the actors and actresses I worked with were great. Um, I just, I don't know. It, it, I couldn't find, I just couldn't find my comfortability within me and my character. And, you know, basically the show was sinking. We all knew that, uh, everybody that, that was on the show were, were like, we, we were, could be days. It could be months. We don't know, but we know it's, it's the ship's going down. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that was something that, that I kept hearing from all the actors. I was like, well, you know, what's, what's, you know, it doesn't sound like something promising here. You know, even though you get a three-year deal, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, they could get rid of you every, uh, what is it, every however long your contract weeks or what have you. Yeah. So, but here's the thing that it did do. It it made me realize this. It's like, so when, when I got out, the contract was not picked up. I sat there and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, either, I'm going back to, to Miami. And I sat there and thought, and I was like, okay, if I go back to Miami, then there's nothing there that's, I need to be here. So, you know, I talked to my wife, we had, we had a, a, a apartment on bank and bleaker and we're like, we need to figure this out because it wasn't cheap. Plus I had a car. What was I doing with a car anyway? <laughs> and I, this is a great story. So, you know, I, I, I was, because I, you know, the Thursday, the Tuesdays and Thursdays where you got to move it all over the place. Right. There was a guy that lived two doors down that you could smell was like Bob Marley. Right. <laughs> and I went over to the dude, I knocked on the door and he, he looks at me and I look at him. He didn't say anything. I was like, hello. He goes, and he goes, yeah. I go, hey, bro, I got an idea. Could we work something out? I said, I'm, I may not be here sometimes. I'll leave you a key. Can you just move my car from one way to the other? And I'll hook you up, you know. And he was like, yeah, dude. You know, <laughs> So he was kind of a savior for me, man. Uh, so he kind of helped me out on the moving the car around. Uh, and um, so, but you know what it does? Soaps give you the ability to go in and there's a, I mean, uh, my first day, I'll give you an example. My first day I show up, I'm so happy. And I got like a two pager. That's my intro, right? There's, there's a big table and I walk in, I, I forget I, the actor's name was Joe. Uh, Barbara. Yes. So he's there at the table. There's like 10 people and I walk in and I have to give this two page monologue, right? So I get there in the morning, we're, we're right before we're going to do drive lock. And they're like, oh, did you, did you get the changes? I'm like, what? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, we did. You got some changes." So they marked it up and I'm first up. So I had to run to my room and try to piece this together, man. And just try to, you know, because the other thing that the great learning curve was the fact that, listen, man, you, 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 you can't marry it. You just got to be able to blend it or uh, you just got to be able to be on your feet and, and go wherever it's, it's going to go. And uh, it was a disaster that day. And they probably were like, Oh God, we brought this guy up and this is, you know, uh, but it was a great learning experience for me. It was, it was just so much learning and I'm glad I did it. So at when a show, when I left the show, I went around and I said, I'm going to jump into an acting class. I go to this class. You had to audition for her. Uh, I'll think of her name in a minute. And uh, so you, I got into class and there was a girl that got up and did a scene and great. Right. So she sits down. And of course, because you get critiqued from from the students, which I didn't really like. I, I like getting critiqued from the from the teacher. Anyway, I raised my hand, um, and my first thing I was going to say is like, do you know you look – she was married to John McEnroe. Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. And and thank God somebody uh, got in front of me, and they, they started then. She goes, yes, Tatum, uh, you did a really good job. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, thank you for, for you know, getting in front of me. You know? <laughs> it was Tatum O'Neill, right? And uh, so I, I like the class, but then I felt like if I'm here and this is supposed to be, the, I'm not. Mm. 
So I, I went around and I audited like five more classes. I went to a class and I went into this one class from Anthony Abeson, Midtown, New York, walk up. And so I'm sitting down to the side and he's counting everybody at the beginning of the class. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Looks at me, 10, you're in. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm just auditing. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, anybody who's in my class, you come to work. And I was like, well, okay. And uh, oh my God, fell in love. I never missed a class. He was amazing for a lot of reasons. And so when I, when we, the, the class ends, you, you do a play and then, then like a week later, then the new class begins. And I had a, uh, a lawyer, a lawyer friend who used to work for Iron Marie, who's like a big seven foot guy, uh, comes up to New York and says, Hey, I got this show I'm going to do in, uh, in Miami. I want you to be one of the leads. It's called Miami Sands. And, uh, I said, great, because the play had ended. And then right before we we're going to start the new class, he said, no, we want you to move back down to Miami and, and be in the show. And I was like, because, you know, it was getting, it was getting real in New York, uh, you know, I, I was promoting uh, clubs. I was doing whatever it took to make money, um, it, you know, and, it, you know, money. Uh, I, I, I got a real quick, I got a godsend call from an, my agency in Miami that I hadn't been with in over a year and a half and said, hey, there's a guy here looking at your photograph who's actually Puerto Rico that you know is a photographer and would like to bring you in for a, for a, a, a shoot for Bacardi. Turned out to be one of the most amazing jobs. So I, went, I flew to Puerto Rico with my wife. We could visit family because she's from Puerto Rico. I got paid a, a really good rate. And it was one of those things that just fall out of the sky. You're just like, oh, my God, thank you, God. You know, uh, and so that, you know, helped us until the point when I moved back down to Miami. I had I had a I had a, a one bedroom apartment on the 12th in Pennsylvania that we had bought back in early Miami days. And the girl, this is how the stars aligned. Uh, so the girl that was renting from us said she wanted to leave. I got the job back down in Miami and it just worked out where everything just kind of aligned. And I moved back in my apartment. I did the show. Uh, and that was before um, I, I got the, um, I think that was before or after. No, that was after. And then uh, and then I got uh, as a role turns as recurring. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was 1999. You were cast as Liam. So tell us how yeah. that role came about. So uh, we went up to New York and and uh, and, and did a uh, uh, did a you know was put put myself on tape and uh, they liked it and they they said uh, you know we're, we're going to bring you re recurring and uh, I said great. So this was a a whirlwind that was going on for me. So I went up to New York to shoot my shows and I had a buddy of mine who's a musician that uh, I, I basically uh, slept on his, his couch. Then I would fly back down to Miami to be with my wife. And, and, uh, and then they, then this whole, so when I was doing recurring with as a turns, I read in New York for a new show that no one knew the name with uh, Jackie Brisky and uh, Anna Marie Castora. And uh, so in New York, so the As the World Turns was amazing. I had a, I had a great time. Uh, everybody was amazing. It was, you know, but my whole heart was like, I love New York, but I, I had already done my New York from 95 to 99, whatever. I've already rollerbladed all these streets. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, hey, uh, I, I, I got, I had my heart set on, on LA, but I didn't want to move to LA unless I had something. That was our, that was our kind of, you know, so I, I go up to New York and I, I'm doing my shows for As a World Turns. And then I did this audition and uh, Jackie Brisky, I come in the audition room. I think it was on the 47th floor or whatever. She, I go, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. She goes, you can do whatever you want. She goes, just don't touch me. And I'm looking, I'm like, well, I hadn't really planned on doing that, but uh, I'm glad you gave me that, you know, that, that note to not touch you. I really, you know. Then she told me, I love Jackie Brisky. We've, we've got to be really good friends. But she told me afterwards that somebody had went, went in and kind of in within the scene kind of grabbed her or whatever. And that's why she said that. Uh, and then uh, so I, I actually read for Hank was my first screen test for, for Hank. But then I, fl I flew back to Miami and they, they uh, in my fax machine, I'm dating myself. <laughs> they said, hey, I got a new we want you to read for a new role. And it's for Sam. 
and uh, and I started reading the character character description, and it was a it was a you know a father of, of I don't know how many I had about ninety kids by the end, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and and so you know the police chief, and I go wait a second, I liked the role of Hank because it was this kind of a dark because I think Dalton James played the character really well. I thought I thought he really had this underneath. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Uh, mysteriousness of it. Uh, of course, Ryan, uh, the, the funniest thing in the world, when, when, when Dalton left and then Ryan came, I, I had that first day where I kind of looked at him and I'm like, and I look up and I'm like, wow, something's, no, forget it. Uh, you know, <laughs> Ryan's like nine feet taller than Dalton, you know? Um, and so, um, but yeah, so I, I went back. So, so my whole world was I would fly to, to L.A. to do another screen test, went to New York to shoot uh, As the World Turns, back down to Miami, back over to L.A. to shoot for Sam, back over to New York uh, to shoot As the World Turns, and then back down to Miami. And then it was the third time that I went to L.A. and I came back. It was a Thursday. I remember it like it happened yesterday. I got to my buddy's apartment. My buddy was never lived there. He was on the road. Uh, so I'm there, phone rings. Uh my agent says, Hey man, you, you got it. I'm like, Oh my God, I was so happy. Uh, and that was a Thursday. And then I had three shows on that Friday for as the world turns. So I stayed up all night, didn't go to sleep and, and, uh, went in and I said, thank you very much, but I'm out. And, uh, and, uh, that was my, that my last uh, time on as world turns. And then I went back down to Miami and I told my wife, I said, good news and bad news. Good news. I got the show. Bad news, I have to leave. I think this was a, a Friday. I said, Monday, I have to go because I had to go back out to LA because they hadn't found my wife yet. Uh, um, you know, this is, so they didn't cast Dana until um, I think it was the second uh, screen test with, with uh, actresses, and, and then they finally cast Dana. But once I was cast, I had to stay there. We, they put us at the Universal uh, uh, Hilton, me, Galen, and and Jesse. And uh, and then we stayed because then we started shooting out in location in Oxnard. Uh, so my wife had to pack everything and, you know, uh, ship everything out. Were you like, I can't believe I have to deal with this right fielder again? And Mr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I go down. I go down to. Uh, I was. I was. I went down. To, I was in. I was in Miami, and uh, so that's when I'm. I'm going back for the screen test for for. Uh, no, this is my second. My second screen test for Sam. I'm getting on the plane. I'm putting my bag over here, right? And I look over, and I'm like, "It was Galen." I go, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Bro, I'm going out and read for the show." And I go, "Me too." So. We, we went out together, we, we were in the hotel, we're running lines with each other, and uh, we were just hoping, wow, it was like a dream come true if both of us got it, you know? And then I got the call on Thursday, and I called him and I said, hey, uh, did you get it? And he goes, I don't know yet. I go, bro, I, I said, he goes, did you get it? I go, yeah. And he was so happy for me, you know, whatever. Um, and then I think the next day they called him and said that he got it. So we our, our parking places were right next to each other, our dressing rooms. And the, the, they hated the fact that our dressing room was right next to each other. <laughs> we had we got into some shenanigans. Uh, but um, but man, it, it was I mean, passions was was an absolute dream. It was a dream. You know, you'll I never I don't know if I'll ever have that again, but it, I, I so much appreciated it. It was a family. It was a, it was a family. Well, what comes to mind for you when you think about the early days of Passions and, you know, coming to realize that it was a little different from the other soaps on the air. There were witches and talking dolls and it just had a very different vibe. Yeah. And, and I immediately felt because you got to remember that our cast 
you know, we had the professionals. Of course, we had Ben Masters. We had Juliet Mills, who were the iconic figures on the show. Uh, and then there was a lot of people who, uh, you know, I had a couple of credits on my, on my, uh, you know, a couple of shows I had done, but, you know, like Jesse Metcalf and Lindsay Corman and, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brooke Kerr and, and whatever, uh, young and inexperienced. And, and so when you looked at it, it was, it was, I knew from, from, I thought since day one, I said, there's no way you can do another traditional soap opera. It's not going to work. It'll just get, it'll be new for a second. And then it'll be just like everything else. I thought the advantage that we had was Juliet Mills and, and uh, uh, Josh Ryan Evans. That was our, that was our uniqueness. And I thought that's the only thing that's going to keep us on the air. Uh, because if we go back to, to traditional style and, and, and I think that the sci-fi thing that we had uh, certainly uh, was, was our uh, uniqueness. And I think we needed that uh, time magazine, I think, or I think did an article on this is like, uh, I don't know if it was time, somebody, some, some big um, non-traditional soap came and did an article on us. It was like, why now? Because we knew back in, uh, you know, in the in the mid '90s, '90s, that the soap uh, viewership it was declining because of just a lot of things, you know. And I, I think that passions. One of the true moments for me is when I did the Thanksgiving Day Parade, which was a bucket list thing for me. We're on a float, and we 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 were moving. And all of a sudden we stopped and there was like, I don't know how many cheerleaders from all over the country, which is, I don't know, thousands. And we pulled up, we stopped and the amount of cheering and, and whatever, I, I said, wow, I think we got something here. Uh, it was, it was amazing. And I think that passions, I don't know if they intended to, cause you don't do anything intentionally cause you never know. But I think they grabbed another audience because I think the viewership was tending to be older. People were getting older and, of course, passing away. And then, you know, but I think Passions introduced a very young audience again to daytime television. And, uh, and Passions was responsible for that. Mm -hmm. Well, as you mentioned, they did cast Dana Sparks to play your wife on the yes. show and Sam's ex and secretly the mother of his adult son, Ethan, was played by Kim Johnson Ulrich. So tell us about working alongside those two ladies. Well, I mean, it was it was a, it was a dream. I mean, you know, to Kim, by the way, Kim is the best kisser in daytime television. <laughs> she 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 was she was amazing. I mean, uh, funny so witty uh and you know because you know when dana had that storyline with david you know it became more of kim and i and uh just just a blessing i mean uh you know to walk in every day and to 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 really just be able to work alongside somebody who you know with kim kim kim's amazing uh, uh dana was absolutely fun um we we used to laugh hysterically at at you know, I mean, at some of the takes that we would do, some of the things that we would have to do, uh, you know, and, you know, the only thing I can say is that we all had a good sense of humor because of some of the things that were that were going on. I mean, the only way that to deal with it is to just go, you know, hey, uh, that's that's where we live. And this right. is my house right. is being sucked in the bowels of hell. OK, <laughs> let's go. Yep. Uh, what can you do? You know, um, <laughs> But you know, yeah, Dana and and, and Kim were were amazing, um, you know. And basically, those were the two that I kind of, of course, worked mostly with. And of course, Galen, of course, because he was uh, our. But the, the, what if I don't know what he was? It, it, because we never solved a crime, but um, but we but we but but we try. But darn it, you tried. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'll blame it on the Harmony police system, the higher ups for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but did you have fun uh, on set with that, oh you God. know, knowledge well, that so cops never solve the crime? Yeah. You know what? The, everyone will tell you, uh, Dana, Kim, uh, Galen. Uh, I mean, Eva, uh, Eva Tamargo will tell you that she would look at the schedule 
And like, say, for instance, because sometimes, you know, we get those late night scenes and we're all become just nutty, you know, <laughs> and she goes, look at the schedule and see James and Galen. She would say, oh, my God, we're just brace ourselves because him and I, man, I mean, it would, it would just be that we would get into it a little bit and then we'd look at each other and it would be that moment of like when we lost it, it would take us a long time to kind of recover and Lisa would be, I could hear her through um, um, Roy Friedland's uh, who's stage manager. I could hear her saying, please get the boys together, you know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Richard, God bless Richard. God rest. He's, he's such an amazing guy. But he would come down. And <laughs> I don't know if he wanted to come down, but I guess he was like, OK, no, you're going down. And come down, his face would be red. And, you know, like, hey, uh, James and, and uh, uh, Galen, uh, we, you know, this, this is you need to calm down, settle down, whatever. And we're like, OK, 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 you know, we, we got it. But I mean, if you if you we did we did the Passions um, uh, reunion, the Zoom reunion. It was amazing to how many people that kind of tuned in. I mean, it was it was, you know, I don't know what the final number was, but it was really high. And I was like, wow. And some of the things that was that was being passed around was, you know, who is who is the troublemakers? And of course, everybody was like, oh, it's Galen and James. <laughs> Galen and James, no question. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we, I would get uh, uh, Mackenzie, we would get her going, uh, you know, and she would she would be she would laugh with us. But, uh, you know, Eva would, would you know, Brooke, you get Brooke laughing and. Uh, you know, we, we all had, I mean, we worked our butts off, but we had an amazing time. There was, you know, uh, Rodney Van Johnson was, was, was a guy that, that I still see today a lot. Eva, of course, I see a lot. Galen, uh, I play golf with him. Uh, Jesse Metcalf, I, I still play golf with him occasionally. Uh, um, yeah. So those, those are the ones that uh, I see Dana, Dana come over our house last November, uh, her and her, her boyfriend, uh, he he played some music uh, in our backyard. And um, yeah, so it, it's, you know, we still try to see, you know, as, as many people from Passions as possible. So I know that uh, there was one and only one time that you were in the actual presence of James E. Riley, the mm -hmm. uh, late creator and head writer of Passions, yep. who notoriously did not want to actually meet the actors. Yep. So tell us about that encounter. So we were in New York and we were doing a signing and it was almost like a Prince moment where everyone's like, you know, James may be coming because Prince would always do that. Right. Prince, you never knew what Prince was going to be. And, you know, if he's going to stay for an interview or he's going to leave or whatever. So he had that kind of thing. It was like, James Riley's here. And we're like, where, where, where is he? And all of a sudden he appeared and I believe it was all of five minutes and he was gone. And he didn't want to have conversations with us. And somebody told me this. I don't know if it's true because I didn't hear it from him, but he didn't want to get to know us because he felt that it would uh, derail the, 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 you know, Sam Bennett. I don't want to get any other. I just want to write for this guy. I think that's who he is and whatever. And if I start speaking to him, get to know him, maybe I'll change my, my writing perception or whatever. Uh, that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true, but he certainly had time to meet with Galen and I and uh, um, Travis Schultz, who I love, uh, and somebody else, I forget who it was, uh, certainly had a chance to meet with us and maybe go have coffee or whatever and chose to uh, have, take that picture and then uh, he was gone. That was the only time I've ever met him. Well, I mean, it really does. That actually makes sense when you think about it. It's just not common, but... Yeah. I get it. Like he's writing a show. He doesn't want to know you guys. Cause what if he meets you and he sees your personality and then yeah. he's confused writing Sam of like writing a little James in. So exactly. I get that. All of a sudden um, Sam, Sam and Luis are yucking it up in the police station too much. That's right. No, we, we did that actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, the moment you know, that was the most exterior. He, he kind of shot a pistol at me and <laughs> it's, and it, it goes black comes back and he shot the uh the phone cord <laughs> i'm like 
Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, Passions had a really, no pun intended, passionate fan base, but it was not, you know, like a critical darling. So was that ever frustrating? And did you feel that the show didn't get the credit it deserved from the press? Um, it's, It's almost something that comes into the genre and and people don't get it um and i think that you know as crazy and as things went i thought look it's entertainment you know what is our job our job is to step on stage and entertain people and i thought that we were entertaining people i mean you know way better than anybody else was i mean people so do you think after the storyline that we were having uh, various storylines that people were talking about other soaps or the craziness and the ridiculousness that was going on on our stage? People talked. I mean, there were people that were way outside of the norm of people that we would understand and figure out later. Oh, my God, I'm a big fan of your show. Like another producer from a show, another actor, another uh, director, whatever way out of the realm of, of daytime television. We're like, what? You're a fan. He goes, yeah, man, your, your show is great. So we knew we were doing the right thing. Uh, we, you know, when Anna Marie Castor came in and said, you know, remember that we are not in a sprint, we're in a marathon. And that was her words at the very beginning. And, uh, uh, and we, we all bought into that. Now, you know, it's business. We don't know how long things are going to last. I mean, we thought since NBC owned it, uh, we would probably have a good, pretty good ride. I mean, look, nine years, uh, I don't know the exact, because we went to direct TV after, but um, you can't ask for anything better than that. I mean, I, I look at some of the stars that are on here, Y&R, and, and you know, starting off in the 70s and and still going on today. Um, it's It says something about them as a person to be able to, come in and do this constantly because let me tell you something i haven't been on stage since i left uh on on a soap stage since i left and it's not easy i mean uh, you know susan walters had some dialogue the other day and she was in the morning she was in the afternoon and and she was you know and then i realized i'm like yo i'm back in it uh you know you you got to work got to put in the work and uh but it's so exciting at the same time you know it's 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 one of those things where i get little butterflies every day i drive in and just you know thank thank god that i'm that i'm here you know uh but everybody here uh susan walter has been amazing peter bergman is up because i never met him personally and you you know you're stepping on stage with an icon and he is the most he is the the nicest giving person. It totally, it didn't shock me because he just looks like a nice guy, but it kind of was like, how are people going to look at me and, and accept me? Because one of the things Passion is always known for, you could ask anybody this, everybody that came on our stage, uh, uh, under fives, guest stars, whatever, they, we, we made sure that they felt welcome. We didn't, we didn't treat anybody like they were an outsider that we were like the end and they, no, 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 no. Uh, Michael Bergen is still a very, very good friend of mine. He came on and did like a 20 show run. And I knew Michael from being on the Hollywood nights, playing basketball and, and do his traveling softball team. So I knew him. I love him. Him and his family are just amazing. And I, he's one of my best friends. I hang out with him all the time. And he even told me that. Uh, Galen and I, when he was shooting his first day, oh my God, we wanted to terrorize him because that's what we do, you know, to (laughs) our buddies. And I looked at him and he had so much, I think it was on a Monday morning. He looked like, you know, don't F with me right now. And I go, Galen, let let him go, let him get, you know, whatever. And then of course we treat, you know, we treated him like he was, he, 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 you know, he was in, he was part of the family. We always tried to do that. And I feel that YNR has that family vibe where, you know, welcome, uh, you know, we're here for you, whatever you need. Uh, the stage managers, uh, the hair, makeup, the, the producers came out and, and, and introduced themselves. And the, of course, the great directors and, uh, you know, with with casting, they've they've always had me in mind for stuff. And it just seems like some stuff wasn't quite right. Uh, I, I got a quick story. I was down, I was in Mexico. 
know, shooting uh, Menarca. And uh, I got an audition with YNR. And uh, so I'm like, wow, I, I don't know Mexico very well, but my my manager, uh, Drobania, gave me an address. So I got in an Uber and I had to be back on set within like, I think, three hours. So I left set, raced over this place and I get there and I'm like, is you sure this is this place? So I looked down and it was like this little gate that led you down this not very attractive place, right? So I got out and I said, either I'm going to put on a very good tape or else I'm going to get killed. Uh, <laughs> so I walk in this place and this place is just a like a little office, you know, a white wall. And the guy, his English was not very good at all. And there was a lot of dialogue that had to be go back and forth. So I'm like, ah, man, this is this is not good. Uh, so then I'm like, so is this is this where I'm taping on the wall? And he goes, he goes, no, 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 un momento. Uh, so a guy came from the back who was from Los Angeles, <laughs> spoke perfect English. He goes, hey man, how you doing? Hey, she, no, 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 we're not doing it here. We're doing it back. I went back. It was the most amazing lighting. Uh, it was almost like a movie set. And, uh, and, and, and anyway, I put myself on tape uh, for YNR in Mexico. Uh, you know, I didn't get it, but uh, I think he's always kept me in mind for stuff. And, um, and then I went in and read for a screen test for the new character, Tucker. Didn't get it. Um, but, you know, they, they, you know, what I got in the email was that, you know, they, they really liked what I did and, and they were trying to find something for me. And then a week later, said, Hey, we got a role that we wrote in, you know, and, uh, and, uh, man, it's just been great. You know, and, and I said to myself, and I, and I'm being very honest with you. I said, if I ever go back to daytime, if I ever go back to, I want to do YNR. I just thought YNR is, is, is at the top sophisticated, uh, uh, you know, just all of those things that I think that I was looking for for myself as me being my age right now, I just thought it was just, I just thought it fit. And, uh, you know, here I am. Well, I'm obsessed with the name Jeremy Stark. I think it's a great, great soap name. I think you yeah. hit the jackpot with that one. That one um, wasn't the original name, by the way. Oh. Oh. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure we can tell you it's it was Darren Stark. Oh, and, very and, I, okay, I think Jeremy's an upgrade. Yeah, I... I, I and I, too I, close I mean, to I like, Darren Stark. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, Jeremy Stark, <laughs> to me, it seemed to... As soon as he said it, I was like, ooh, okay, I think it it resonates better with me and the character, uh, whether that's my real name or not. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> right. but, uh, but it's, yeah, so yeah, so that was the the original name was, they had to change it for various reasons. I don't know why, but, you know. So obviously you've, you, you know, you have been, you have, you have taken a long hiatus from yep. daytime, yep. but um, did it all come rushing back to you the way that they shoot or does it shoot very differently at YNR than what you recall from Passions? No, no, it came very clear day one back in September when I had to shoot, we had shot out on the balcony it became very clear to me the pace um and my first scenes that that aired i think last week in a line i say even in la the rain is beautiful and at as soon as i said that line it actually started raining for real oh my God. i was like whoa uh wow i've got i can i can control the weather <laughs> uh <laughs> And it started raining, so I thought they were not going to use it, and and they they said, you know what, we're going to use that, we're going to keep it in, and uh, and then it became very clear to me the pace and the the uh, you know uh, it fast and furious. So I'm like, okay, let's go. And uh, coming from see because uh, back in uh, when I when I started, uh, I got a show called Menarca back in 2018 that was shot in Mexico, and. You know, of course, we're shooting a Netflix show, and it's a very different animal. It's um, uh, Reni Azuela, who who played my wife, uh, and Fernando, who is the director. You know, we sit and we talk. We talk about the scene. We talk about before. We talk about what's happening now. You, you know, we all were very creative in the process. Um, of course, you can't get that here. Uh, the only thing you can get is um, to be able to have gracious actors that want to work with you before you go in and shoot uh, to be prepared and ready. Um, and Peter, uh, the director that we had on Passions, uh, 
he gave one of the younger actors a long time ago, you know, he said, you know, daytime's like instant coffee. Um, you got to make your choice and you, you got to go with it. And, uh, and as long as you understand the character and you understand your relationships with everybody, it becomes a little easier, but you know, of course, you know, as actors, we'd like to rehearse and run it and break it down and, this is not this animal. So you got to know what you sign up for and you got to be ready. And, uh, and I've, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm loving it. You mm -hmm. know, I'm back, I'm back in it very deeply. And, and, uh, it's, uh, it's great. Well, would you be open to sticking around if YNR expanded Jeremy's role? So when, when I, th this, this, this is when I got off of passions, I was like, you know, uh, I went to Puerto Rico for a year, uh, because, you know, we were on for like nine years. I just wanted to de decompress. And then when I got back after a year, I was like, you know what? You know, we all want to, we all want to venture and, and do kind of do other projects and things. Uh, and, um, and uh, so, but, you know, you got to remember when I came back from Puerto Rico, I came into a, to a perfect storm. There was the writer strike streaming platform just was starting. So no one knew, you know, economy, was the worst it's ever been. It's, it's on record. So everybody was just kind of projects were being on hold and there was this, it was just whatever. It was just a very scary time to be in the industry. And, um, and, you know, uh, I either it was myself not reaching out to my connections like Lisa or um, Denise or anybody who was producer at Passions I just felt in my my mind that, you know, when I get back after a year, I'm going to get on another show, whether it be a soap or whatever. And, you know, it didn't happen. And so from like 2000, because I created my own show called James Hyde Seals, a show that uh, I wrote, produced, I put it up on Crackle. I did two segments, one in New York and one in Boston. And that kind of... Uh, was creative for me because I, I wanted to stay in the creative world. I wanted to kind of produce too. And uh, so, so we had done that. And then after that, I'm like, well, you know, what's going on here? So it took a minute, you know, uh, I've stayed with my same manager, Laura Palace for years, 17 years through thick and thin and through arguments and wanted to punch each other. We've, <laughs> I'm a very loyal person. So, and, you know, I've been with my wife for 33 years. I've, I've been my manager for 18 years. I've been with my new agency now for, I don't know, seven, eight years momentum. And I don't like to, you know, I don't like to move around. I like people who get me and, and whatever. But, um, and I think that what happened to me, I, I have another manager named Joe Bonilla in, in the Latin world. And he sent me an audition for a new show called, he didn't say what the show was. It's going to be shooting in Mexico, Netflix. And I put myself on tape and I didn't hear anything. I'm like, ah, whatever. So I get an email saying, hey, they want to make an offer. And that was the best thing ever happened to me. And I mean that by me coming back into the, the world of acting. Sometimes it takes something that triggers something from, because we got it from a source that we never in a million years thought we would ever get from Joe Bonilla presenting me to a to Netflix for a show called Menarca, right? And it, so I got it. So I did my first season. I mean, if you haven't seen it, please see it. It's just a great show. It's just really, really good. And then we did a second season. Uh, uh, Selma Hayek was executive producer. And, uh, and that's what kind of, I don't know, man, after that, it, it's just been, uh, you know, I've, I've shot, uh, I've worked with Lindsay Corman on a, uh, or Lindsay Hartley, I don't know exactly how she's, her last name is, is it, I don't know, what, whatever. But so we shot a film down in uh, in Oklahoma called uh, Prisoner of Love. And it was amazing to shoot with her. She's amazing. She's a, an amazing director. Uh, uh, and so from 2018 to now, it's, it's just been, I've been, I've been working and it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's fun to be, on different sets and play different characters. But long-winded answer to your question is that I would uh, I would take this in, in, in a second to be able to work with this iconic show on a long-term basis. It, it was a no-brainer. That's how quickly I would say, yes. <laughs> so, 
But, uh, you know, we'll see. Look, I know how this goes. Uh, this is not my first rodeo. Recurring means you're, recur- you're not a contract. Who knows how this is going to turn out? Who knows how long I'm going to be around? The only thing I can do as a person is just uh, love it every day and take nothing for granted. And let's just see how long this, this goes. Um, it could be something that could wrap up very quickly or it, I, I don't know. I really don't. But I'm having a blast. Well, I could just see you writing a story between Ashley and Phyllis. Just put it. Yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny enough. Um, can't really get into it, but there's some got your, your, um, she might know, be on to something to be correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, James, before we let you go, is there anything that you would want to say directly to the soap fans out there listening who have been following your journey? Many of them probably all the way back to another world dip into Oakdale, dip through Harmony, and now here you are in Genoa City. Well, the one thing that we always know is this, is uh, there, there's a there's a fan that's been a super fan of mine named Donna Baker. Donna Baker, every time that I did something in New York, she would show up, and and a lot of you probably know who this is. I mean, she is a super fan of, 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 of all soaps, but, uh, I mean, I can remember her. I can remember... Uh, um, so many fans, but the one thing I will always say to this, and everybody knows this, is that soap fans are the most loyal fans that you're ever going to have. Um, they will stay with you uh, through whatever. I mean, I took a, a long hiatus away, and on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook, I've had so much love from everybody saying, oh, my God, uh, you know, some of the great co- comments were, I'm not really a YNR fan. Why well, I, I am now. Uh, oh. And of course, you know, I, I've been watching YNR for a long time. Wow. We're so excited. Um, so yeah, I mean, so fans are, are like none other. And, and, you know, we as actors so much appreciate them and, uh, and, and it's, it's just been amazing. I mean, the amount of amount of love that I've got from, from them over the years. So um I'm just grateful. Mm-hmm. Well, this has just been the most amazing catch up. I could hear your stories all day. Um, <laughs> and uh, But it's been great to already see what's aired on YNR. I look forward yeah. to seeing what comes next. And I hope you'll be sticking around. Yeah. Well, and then we'll have another remember. reason to talk to you soon. Exactly. Thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, it means a lot, you know, getting getting these interviews and doing these and, you know, letting people know that I'm, I'm back into in uh, this genre. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, so I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to James Hyde for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Another podcast.